Yeah, Giuliani hit with devastating order from State Bar posted one hour ago. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. The Washington, D.C. Board of Professional Responsibility has made its recommendation that Rudy Giuliani should lose his license to practice law in the District of Columbia. This comes after multiple days of hearings back in December of 2022 where Rudy Giuliani testified and many others testified. We covered that here on the Midas Touch Network. Now, in a scathing order, the Board of Professional Responsibilities is uh, recommending that Rudy Giuliani lose his license, that he be disbarred for spreading lies about the 2020 election, and by filing and participating in frivolous lawsuits and particularly focusing on the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania lawsuits that Rudy Giuliani uh, had brought. Here is the scathing order. Uh, The D.C. Professional Responsibility Committee states the following. Here is their finding. Mr. Giuliani's rash overstatement claiming that the election was stolen had no evidence to support it. His utter disregard for facts denigrates the legal profession. Moreover, Giuliani has not acknowledged or accepted responsibility for his misconduct. To the contrary, he has declared his indignation. He is, and it cites from the trial transcript, he claims to be shocked and offended over being subjected to disciplinary process. Quote, I really believe I'm being persecuted for three or four years. And he suggests merely an informal admonition or reprimand would be an appropriate sanction. In view of respondents' intransigence, we are convinced that a sanction must be enhanced to ensure that it adequately deters both Rudy Giuliani respondent and other attorneys from acting similarly in the future. Finally, public confidence in our courts, the law, and the legal profession are very much at stake in this unprecedented case. We cannot blind ourselves to the broader context in which Mr. Giuliani's misconduct took place. It was calculated to undermine the basic premise of our democratic form of government, that elections are determined by the voters. The Pennsylvania claims at issue in this proceeding were carefully calibrated to blend into a nationwide cascade of litigation intended to overturn the presidential election. Since John Adams established the precedent in 1800, no president until 2020 refused to accept defeat and step away from that office. And no lawyer until 2020 used frivolous claims of election fraud to impede the peaceful transition of presidential power and disenfranchise hundreds of thousands of voters. Mr. Giuliani's effort to undermine the integrity of the 2020 presidential election has helped destabilize our democracy. His malicious and meritless claims 
have done lasting damage and are antagonistic to the oath to support the Constitution of the United yeah. States of America that he swore when he was admitted uh -huh. to the state bar. This is not a partisan political view. Prominent conservatives who spend, quote, most of their adult lives working to support the Constitution and the conservative principles upon which it is based have concluded that, quote, repetition of these false charges causes real harm to the basic foundations of the country, with 30% of the United States population now lacking faith in the results of our elections and is not sustainable for a democracy. And uh, that cites Senator John Danforth's lost, not stolen, the conservative case that Trump lost and Biden won the 2020 presidential election. We are all aware of the sanction imposed in this other case. We appreciate, too, that our sanction recommendation is constrained by the sanction imposed for comparable misconduct. Yet even though the respondents in these other cases were found to have violated the same rules as respondent, the misconduct underlying his violations is immensely more acute. His frivolous claims impacted not only the court and parties involved, but threatened irreparable harm to our entire nation. For the foregoing reasons, the, hit, the hearing committee finds that respondent Rudy Giuliani violated Pennsylvania Rules 3.1 and 8.4D and should be disbarred from the practice of law in the District of Columbia. We recommend that respondent's attention be directed to the requirements and their effect on eligibility of reinstatement. 60% of U.S. pork production comes from one company and owned by fuck. China. And they're hogs, they're given something called racopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China. Good, because the family farm, it does it better. The moin Prosecutors are getting oh, threats shit. around this case as well, Barb. The Washington oh, Post reports some of the slash Midas Touch right now. And listeners of this show get free bacon in your first box. It's the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Bacon, bacon. M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Midas Touch. That's moinkbox.com slash Midas Touch. And so you may be wondering, well, why are they focusing, if this is the Washington, D.C. bar, why are they focusing on Rudy Giuliani's frivolous lawsuit that he filed in Pennsylvania? Because ultimately there is comedy not comedy, but comedy, between the uh -huh. states. And so even though people are licensed to practice law in specific states, so for example, I am licensed to practice law in California, I cannot practice law outside of California unless I am uh, what's called admitted pro hoc vice by a court in another state. And to be admitted pro hoc vice, what that basically means is that a lawyer in another state would have to sponsor me um, in a specific case. There's an application. It's usually fairly easy uh, for it to be approved if you don't have any disciplinary uh, background, the way Rudy Giuliani does. And then for the purpose of that case, you can practice in that state with a licensed lawyer in that specific state. Um, so here, though, Rudy Giuliani 
I think first filed a complaint in Pennsylvania where he wasn't even licensed, then like withdrew his name, um, but was part of the filing of this lawsuit then uh, in Pennsylvania was pro hoc vice. But by violating the rules in Pennsylvania, if you are found to have engaged in misconduct in another state, you can still be disbarred within a state, or in this case, the District of Columbia, where you are licensed for misconduct out of the state. And you could be disbarred for conduct even unbecoming of the profession, and that has nothing to even do with legal work if there is a violation of the moral character requirements of being a lawyer. So people who are convicted of serious crimes, whether in state or out of state, regardless if they deal with your practice of law, you could lose your license for that. So this case, the DC uh, Board of Professional Responsibility, which is basically like their bar, they were very surgical in focusing on, here was a frivolous case Giuliani brought in a state he wasn't licensed in, but where he was pro hoc vice. It was clearly frivolous. Rudy Giuliani, they got to essentially admit during the testimony he provided in December that he didn't even have the facts to support it. And Giuliani said, well, you know, I think of the complaints more of like a prediction. It's Giuliani's own testimony. I view when I file complaints, they're like predictions. I hope they will become true, but I didn't know at the time. Here's from another portion of this order uh, recommending that Giuliani be disbarred. It talks about how the complaint and the second amended complaint that was kind of challenging certain things contain these vague and speculative allegations about random and isolated electoral irregularities, which did not and could not support Giuliani's inflated legal claims. And for that reason, the federal court in Pennsylvania found that plaintiffs presented only a, quote, strained legal argument without merit and speculative accusations unpled in the operative complaint and unsupported by evidence. And the Court of Appeals agreed and said that Giuliani's lawsuit never alleges that any ballot was fraudulent or cast by an illegal voter and never alleges that any defendant treated the Trump campaign or its votes worse than it treated the Biden campaign or its votes. Calling something discrimination does not make it so. That was the Third Circuit Court of Appeal. And then here, paragraph 33, the uh, Washington, D.C. Board of Professional Responsibility explains, Respondent Giuliani thus commenced litigation without evidence that its core factual claims were true. He admits as much, maintaining that, quote, fast-moving, that this was a fast-moving case, quote, did not permit him to investigate fully his client's position as he would normally do in any other case. Even without supporting evidence, he claims, it was reasonable for him to draw an inference and make an argument that the vote count was illegal and contrary to law, we reject this argument, and then it has a footnote, and this is where it quotes Giuliani and says, Giuliani testified that, quote, a complaint is a prediction. It's not a statement of what you definitely are going to get, what you are definitely going to prove. He further stated that all those questions have to be answered, which you can't answer at this stage of litigation. So you put out all the allegations you have, 
the ones that help you, the ones that don't, and then you work your way through the litigation. And so that simply is not what the standard is. And so it's important, though, that you know, just talk about the fact that Giuliani is going to lose his license now in D.C. By the way, his license is also suspended in New York, for example, as well. Um, but it's important that I want to read. I wanted to read you these quotes. These are this is testimony from Giuliani, and Giuliani states, because it was a quote fast-moving case, it did not permit him to investigate fully Donald Trump's position when he brought this case, and that he just filed it as a prediction. So anytime they say, "Oh, we had the evidence," no, right here they're saying they don't have the evidence. This is why hearings like this are so vital. This is why Donald Trump and Giuliani and the Kerry Lakes and the MAGA Republicans degrade our courts. Because it is a place where you have to take the oath and tell the truth and be questioned. And you can't just spew your lies to cult followers. Good news, Rudy Giuliani losing his law license in another state. This is the find out stage for Rudy Giuliani. And so with all of this happening, it's obvious why. We've reported that Giuliani offered a proffer agreement or participated in a proffer session with Special Counsel Jack Smith, meaning Giuliani agreed to cooperate and tell Jack Smith everything he knows about Donald Trump and all of the conduct he engaged in in hopes of leniency. Big, big stuff. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. Let's hit it this summer. Can you help us get there? Just hit subscribe. It's free to subscribe to our channel. Also, check us out wherever audio podcasts are available. Just search the Midas Touch Podcast. And uh, check us out on Patreon as well. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. It's where you can help grow this platform. Until next time, I'm Ben Marcellus. Have an excellent day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. No wonder the swamp is getting truly desperate as they see us leading very big in the polls. They're getting crazy. Well, that's why every time I get a subpoena, you know, my polls go up, I get more and more subpoenas. Report to a grand jury. If he's killing Biden, he's killing them all. Let's. That's what it is. The, the crooked people never happened that I could go weaponization of the Department of Justice or the FBI. We've never had anything like this. And it's all bullshit, too. It's all stuff. That's why my polls go up. I'm the only person ever got indicted who became more popular. Because people understand it. They read it. They see it. It's all contrived, horrible stuff. It's horrible what they've done to this country. In the new premise poll, we are at 59%. And Ron DeSanctimonious is at 21% and falling. In the new Fox poll, we're beating the sanctus by 34 points among Republicans and 50 points among young voters. 50. Thank you, young voters. In the very respected McLaughlin poll of Iowa, this is the Iowa poll just came out, a man named Trump is at 51 percent, and a man named DeSanctis is at 19 percent.
You know, it's funny, I saw them doing an interview, sort of a straight interview, and they were saying, so his name is DeSantis, but nobody calls him that anymore because it's like they get confused, there's so many names. So uh, we're getting ready to interview Ron DeSantis, and they're screaming, no, it's DeSantis. I've changed a lot of, not, we've changed a lot of lives with those nicknames, haven't we? Eh? They follow people right to the grave, they follow them. In Ohio, in Ohio, we're hit by 44 points, just came out against uh, Ron DeSantis. And the new Tennessee poll, I love Tennessee. You know, we have, we have every congressman and woman, we have the two senators, everybody in Tennessee with the endorsements. Tennessee poll, we're up by 49 points. When asked who's the best to approve the economy, they go Trump almost 60 percent, DeSantis 18 percent. And in New Hampshire, a poll just came out, Trump 55 percent, DeSantis 11 percent. In South Carolina, you saw we had almost 80,000 people last weekend, and it was 102 degrees, and it was hot. Who else could stand up for an hour and a half? Mostly without teleprompters. Because, you know, if you read the teleprompter, it gets very boring for people, you know? If you read the uh, teleprompter, they, all of a sudden you notice people starting to leave. There's nobody leaving in this group. In fact, I want to thank the fire marshal. You guys worked unbelievable just to get as many people. We had a lot of people outside can't get in, but I want to thank them. But in South Carolina this last weekend, we had close to 80,000 people, and it was it was just about 100 degrees out. And people kept saying, you know, when is he going to grab the water after an hour and a half? You try and you try and not do it, but there's nothing wrong with doing it. Probably I should do. But in South Carolina, it's 59 to 12, and uh, in Nevada, 65 to 10. Would you say that's good? And we're also leading, very importantly, Biden by a lot. This week's Echelon poll, very respected, of swing states. We're up by seven points over Biden, 48 to 41. And we're up by 11 points in two other polls and 10 points in another poll. And it doesn't sound like much, because look, here you have a president who's grossly incompetent, who doesn't know where the hell he is. He can't even leave a state. It's like, when I leave here, I really know I'm going to say hello to these people, and then I'm going to walk down the stair. I might even say hello to the front row, you know, maybe. But it's not that complicated. But this guy's always, where the hell am I? And you know, uh, I will tell you, the people that he's dealing with, President Xi of China, Kim Jong-un, North Korea, you look at France, Macron, these are all people these are smart, smart people, tough people. They're at the top of the game. We have a man who doesn't have a clue. And he's in charge of potential nuclear war, which will annihilate the whole planet. And we can't let it go. People smile and they laugh and they think it's funny that he doesn't know where he is. And he doesn't know. And he didn't know where he was 25 years ago either, by the way. This was not one of the smart ones. This was not one of the smiles. I asked, you know, I got along very well with Ted Kennedy. Never told the story. This is the first, this is for, this is for Nebraska, not for Iowa. 
but I had a good relationship. I said, who's the smartest person? This 25, 30 years ago, I got a lot of people to come to and stuff. I did them a big favor, actually, to take Kennedy. And uh, not in my sphere in terms of politics, but that's okay. It can happen to I get along with a lot. I have a lot of great relationships, like the president of Mexico. He's a socialist, but we have a great relationship. He did a lot of good papers for us. We have the safest border in history. But with Ted Kennedy, so I said, who's the uh, smartest senator? Who's the smartest one in the Senate? Years ago. And he gave me a name I won't say. But it's, it's, uh, actually, personally, I didn't like very much. So I don't want to get I said, who's the dumbest in the Senate? He goes, probably Joe. I said, Joe who? Joe Biden. He's the dumbest in the Senate. Now, that was by Ted Kennedy. Now, they'll go crazy. They'll say, oh, that's terrible. But he said this, and this was prime time. This wasn't now. And by the way, he's not old. He's off. There's a difference. Because I know people that are 90 years old that are sharp as a tack. In fact, I, some of them are smarter than they were 20 years before. It's not age. It's uh, there's something wrong. But he was never... And if you look at his foreign policy decisions, they were horrible over years. And his own people were saying that he doesn't make right decisions. But now he, he's incapable of, in my opinion, he's incapable of running. And I hate to say it because, you know, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to make it to the gate. But I guess I'd rather have him than somebody that actually is intelligent. Right? So I hurt myself when I tell you these stories, in a way. Although I wouldn't mind running against Kamala. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But these incredible poll numbers are the primary reason that crooked Joe Biden has weaponized law enforcement and ordered his top political opponent, me, right in the middle of the election, because we're right now in the middle of a big deal. Ordered me arrested right here, right at this time. It never, never happened before. He's doing well. We have to arrest him. This, these people are sick. And this is a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time, which was when we came down the escalator, the beautiful golden escalator. And it's all about a thing called election interference. This is a new way of cheating. Not really new over the centuries, you know, things like this have happened, but they've never happened in our country to the extent they have. They rigged the presidential election of 2020, and we're not going to allow them to rig the presidential election of 2024. of everything else, a highly respected federal judge who just read it issued a ruling this week that detailed substantial evidence of government involvement in social media censorship with the FBI, the DOJ, would tell the people heading up social media what to do. Don't say anything good about Trump, and don't say anything bad about Biden. And you know, the pollsters, John McLaughlin, Fabrizio, good pollster, great pollster. Uh, they said it could have made a 17-point difference, like the laptop from now when they had 51, they had 51 intelligence, quote, intelligence people say, that was Russia disinformation. The little girl sitting on his lap, that was created by Russia. It's, uh, 
terrible thing. It's further proof that in addition to everything else, the 2020 election was rigged, and because of that, our country is going to hell. We're the strongest borders in history. We were doing great. We no inflation. Everything is going beautifully. Never forget, our enemies want to stop us because we are the only ones that can stop them. We can stop them. We are stopping them. If the corrupt persecutions of our people succeed, they will complete the takeover of this country and destroy your way of life forever. And there's probably no coming back. There's probably no coming back. This is the most important election we've ever had, 2024. They want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. Thank you. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. Remember this, if I weren't if I weren't leading in the polls by so much, they wouldn't be indicting me. If I were not running, they wouldn't be indicting me. I'd have a beautiful white stay at one of those nice places that I have, and I'd enjoy my life. But it would drive me crazy because I'd watch our country go to hell, and I can't do that. I just can't do that. But they wouldn't be doing it. And then they have the disinformation campaign. Oh, no, the one we want to run. Every poll is showing we're killing Biden. We want to run against Trump. We want disinformation. Misinformation, and this, there is a slight difference, not enough to talk about. Misinformation campaign, disinformation campaign. That's just a thing they're good at. We want to run against Trump. I watched these guys, even Fox said, no, thanks, guys, get you in. Well, you know the Democrats say that they want to run against Trump. Well, that's where the meaning for me, because, you know, they're not supposed to do that. But they don't do that. That's why they're looking at me every prosecutor. If I fly over a Democrat state, a blue state, I get a notice, uh, we want you to report to a grand jury. we got to keep this. If they wanted to run against me, they wouldn't have me under federal indictment. Okay, they wouldn't have me. But I'm doing this for you, and we're going to win, and we're going to turn our country around. Because in the end, they're not after me. They're after you, and I just happen to be standing in the way. That's true. And I promise you this. If you put me back in the White House and Iowa and Nebraska, you're very important, very important states. Their reign will be over and America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation. We don't have free press. We have a crooked press. We have a corrupt media. No, think of it. They have absolute proof that Biden's being paid off by China, Ukraine, and many other countries. And the press doesn't even write about it. That would have been, 10 years ago, that would have been the biggest story in history. It's a 100 times bigger than Watergate. That would have been the biggest. And they don't even put it on the news. They don't. You look, if there's anything, you know, they feel guilty because they have the biggest story in history. 
and they, they are cowards. They're corrupt. Or maybe they're afraid. I don't know. But they, if you see something, it's always way in the back, a little tight. This way they say, well, no, we discussed. A man, we have a president of the United States who's a stone-cold, corrupt hater. And who's willing to arrest his opponent, who's leading him substantially in the polls. And then they go out and they say, oh, no, we really want to run against him. They want to run against me. They wouldn't be indicting me. They'd say, I hope this guy goes in and say, make it nice and smooth. No, because we're leading by a lot, and we're going to win because we have no choice. If we don't win this election, we're not going to have a country. We're not going to have a country. There's going to be nothing left, and we can't let that happen. Just think of what we have already achieved in our four incredible years. We delivered the largest tax cuts and regulatory cuts in the history. These are the biggest cuts in the history of our country. And likewise, we built the greatest economy in the history of the world. We had it going just before COVID came in. They had, nobody had ever seen numbers. African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, women, men, people with diplomas, people without diplomas, people number one at MIT, and people that could barely get a job before everybody, everybody was working and everybody was at. And even very, very far left people were coming up to me and saying, let's get together. The country was coming together. It's amazing. And then we had COVID. We had to go through a different thing. And then, even then, we handed over. We did an amazing job. Got not nearly enough credit for the job we did. We were making ventilators for all the nations of the world. Within about three months, we were all geared up and took car plants and changed them into ventilator plants. It was nobody's ever seen anything like it. And we gave you a stock market that was higher than just before COVID came in. I mean, think of it. And then it's a series of horrible mistakes. They closed down our energy industry, essentially. They want wind. They want wind. They want wind. They want all sorts of things. They want Green New, the Green New Deal. You know who came up with the Green New Deal? A poor student, who was a good line of bullshit, who came up and said, she said, the Green New Deal. Nobody knew what the hell she was talking about. It's mostly, it's mostly fake stuff. And we're spending trillions and trillions of dollars of ruining our country. Uh, the oceans will rise over the next three years by one-eighth of an inch. But they're not worried about a country that's 600 miles away that's loaded up with nuclear weapons. That's not a risk. But the ocean's rising over the next 300 years. That's a risk. It's more beachfront property, actually. That's the way you have to view it. So we have, we have people that are just, what they're doing is so horrible. That's so horrible. And I'm a big environmentalist. I am truly an environmentalist. I want clean air. I want clean water. I want great fuel standards. I want great everything. But they're destroying our country. And if you look at China, they're building coal plants all over China. While we look at uh, hoping the wind blows. Hoping it blows. Darling, darling, I'd like to watch our president on television tonight. I'm sorry. We have no energy. The wind isn't blowing. We created the most secure border in U.S. history, built nearly 500 miles of border wall, got Mexico to give...
us 28,000 soldiers free of charge. Thank you. And then we negotiated remain in Mexico with Mexico. You think that was easy? Mr. President, we want to have everybody remain in Mexico. You think he said, oh, that would be lovely? No. Because these are rough people that were coming into our country and are coming in at numbers that nobody will believe. I believe the real number by the end of the year could be 15 million people. You don't hear that number. That's bigger than New York State. Ended the ridiculous catch-and-release program. That's where you catch somebody and release them into our country and tell them to come back in four years for a trial. Nobody ever comes back. And deported illegal alien gang members. We deported by the tens of thousands, tens of thousands, MS-13 and gang members into their country. And you know, their countries wouldn't take them before I came in. And you might have heard it. The country would say, because when I say get these people out of our country, they say we can't do that because their countries won't take them back. Guatemala. El Salvador, Mexico, to an extent, other countries, many other countries, they wouldn't take it back. You know, why should they? They dump them in here and they don't want to take it back. So with the four countries, our neighbors, I said, how much money do we pay them here? $700 million. I say, uh, call them and tell them they are no longer getting $700 million. They wouldn't take it back. In other words, we'd fly a plane load full of gang members. How would you like to be the pilot of that particular plane? That wouldn't be a lot of fun. You know, you're flying, you're looking back. Because these are seriously bad these people. These are not good people. But they wouldn't take the planes. They would put planes on the runway so we couldn't uh, They wouldn't let the buses in. They wouldn't let the boats in. We'd send them by the water. We'd send them by water. Send them through the Gulf. They wouldn't take the boats. They'd turn them away. So I say, well, that's terrible. But they're the ones that sent them here. They wanted them to come. They, they put them. In these caravans, I think I came up with that thing, where thousands of people would come in. We had many, many people that were gang members and prisoners, people in mental institutions, as I said. So I said, inform the countries that we're not paying anymore, as a effective And they would say, no, we have to. One of the generals said, sir, they will not take them. I said, no. Well, they just won't, sir. They don't want them back. I said, but I want them to go back. So I said, inform them, $700 million, which is peanuts compared to what we give to other countries that rip us off actually was. So I said, here's the story. If they should call, let me know. So this was in an afternoon, the following morning, I think it was a Friday morning, I got a call from all three countries in particular, from all three countries almost at the same time, but separate calls. Mr. President, I understand you're upset with us. Please, we don't want to do that. I said, well, you're not taking back the people that you happen to send into a the terrorists. They're bad people. You can handle them better than we can. You have to take them back. Sir, we would be honored to take them back. I had no idea there was a problem. Please send them back. These generals couldn't believe it. All of a sudden, we're sending thousands of people out of our country back to these countries from where they This went on for years during the Obama administration. For years. And Bush. But this went on for years during previous administrations. They wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take it back if I were them either. Look, these are streetwise people. These leaders are tough and they're smart and they're mean. And they think we're stupid. You know, they think the United States is this country that's run by really stupid people. They want to be politically correct. But it's not politically correct. They're dumb. And I did it in one phone call. I did it with Macron in France. As you know this, 
he put on, he went to put on a tax on all American companies doing business. And, uh, and I gave it to a secretary of the Treasury and said, Steve, go and negotiate. Go and negotiate something very strong because it's really, you can't let this happen. They're going to tax only American companies, very substantial. And they came back, and anyway, bottom line, after a couple of weeks, I couldn't make a deal. They come back again. I said, I got one more week, and then I'll take care of it. Couldn't make a deal. I call them up. I say, Emmanuel, how are you? Oh, I'm so fine. Beautiful accent. I love your accent. I could never imitate that beautiful French accent. Oh, I'm so happy to speak to you, Mr. President. Such a great honor. Now, Emmanuel, let me ask you. I hear you're taxing. You want to pass it. Going along very fast, and pretty soon you're going to be taxing all American countries doing business in France. Is that a correct statement? Oh, yes, it has passed. And uh, thank you for calling. Thank you so much. I said, No, you don't understand. We're not going to let you do that. No, no, no. It is too late to do anything about it. So here's the story, Emmanuel. If you don't terminate that immediately, like I mean today, we are going to tax all of your wine and champagne that comes into the United States. We are going to put a tariff on it of 100%. No, 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 you can't do that. No. I said, well, maybe I can't, but I have the document here, and I've already signed it. This goes into effect at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. All wine and the champagne coming in from France is taxed at 100%. We're putting a tariff on. I said, so you have 15 minutes to let me know what you want to do. No, no, no. I will call you back. Call me back in about three minutes. Uh, President, we have decided uh, that uh, in order to have a fine relationship with the United States, we will, we will not be putting any tax on American businesses, right? <laughs> Meaning jobs. A lot of these people I was saving, I don't even like them. They're not even very good people, but I got to do what's right for the country, right? But you can do a lot of that. I did many, many, many of those things with a phone call. We appointed nearly 300 federal judges and three great Supreme Court justices. Look what's been happening over the last year. They rule great on policy, but they always rule badly on me. Give your tax returns. Nobody had to get tax. Give your tax returns. By the way, you see, I gave it, and everyone said, oh, that's that. That was the end of that. Probably should have given it a little easier, but they shouldn't be allowed to look at your tax. They're not allowed to do it anyway. But they rule against me, but they rule good policy-wise, very good policy-wise. And last week, they ruled to move our country forward with a merit-based system of education. How about that? If you work hard and you get great marks, you get great boards, you get great everything, you get into a college, and uh, somebody that had much lesser achievement doesn't get into that college, perhaps. Maybe they have to work harder or whatever. The Supreme Court also ruled that President Biden is not allowed to wipe out hundreds of billions of dollars and probably trillions of dollars of student loan debt, which would have been very unfair to the millions of people who have paid their debt through hard work and diligence over many years, right? They also gave a very big victory, as you know, to religious liberty. It was a tremendous win for religious liberty. The people were very impressed. Not to mention the fact, this is 51 years, 
that they ruled against Roe v. Wade, giving pro-lifers a tremendous power to negotiate. And moving this issue back to the states, where for many decades, legal scholars and many others always felt it should be. But remember, that issue has to be spoken about properly, because Republicans, many of them, don't speak about it properly. The Democrats are the radicals. Because the Democrats are willing to kill a baby after five months, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, and even after birth. They're the radicals. Like President Ronald Reagan, I support the three exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. Other people don't. I do. But now people that believe in life will be able to stop the radical left Democrats from killing babies, and they'll be able to — they have power for the first time. Pro-lifers have power to negotiate something that will be very good. You now have power. You had no power at all. They did whatever they wanted to do. And they are the radical ones, not the pro-lifers. They're not. It has to be spoken about properly. But what you have now is an ability to negotiate something before you had no ability whatsoever. Remember the governor of Virginia, former governor? where he said, uh, the baby is born, and after the baby is born, you sit down with the mother, and you make a determination as to whether or not you will terminate that baby's life. This is a baby that's born. This is not in the ninth month. This is a baby that's born. And now you have a tremendous power to negotiate, but the Republicans don't know how to talk about the issue. They don't know how to talk about it. I think they're afraid to talk about it, and they don't know how to talk about it. This was a great victory for life. This was a great victory for humanity. But it's really a great victory to get something done. You now have tremendous power to negotiate something. And they, remember this, they are the radicals, not the pro-lifers. They tried to make the pro-lifers a rep. No, no. When they're willing to go into eight, nine, ten months, after birth, after birth, they have laws that pass actually saying it's okay after birth. They are the radical ones. And this is an issue, if properly spoken about, it's, uh, because nobody wants to see that after a period of time. Many people, right from the beginning, but nobody, nobody wants to see after four months, five months, six months, death, termination. Nobody wants to see it. They're the radicals. Remember that. They're the radicals, not the pro-lifers. And now you have the power to negotiate, and good things are going to come about it, and you moved it back to the states where all the legal scholars said it should be. And 51 years they tried to do that. I got it done. I fully rebuilt the U.S. military, created Space Force, defeated 100 percent of ISIS, and brought our troops back home. I was the first president in decades who didn't start a war. But all of that was only just the beginning. And here's some of the agenda, a very strong agenda, that I'll immediately implement when we become — we become — we, because it's really we — the 47th President of the United States. I will totally obliterate the deep state. We will get rid of it. We were doing a good job. 
We will get rid of it. Before I even arrive at the Oval Office, shortly after I win the presidency, I will have the horrible war between Russia and Ukraine settled. Somebody said, are you on Russia's side? Are you on Ukraine's side? You know what the side is? I want people to stop dying. That's the side I'm on. I did that with that crazy person who did the uh, CNN town hall. Did anybody see the CNN town hall? It's one of the largest ratings they've ever had. And they fired the head of CNN because of it. The world is a little topsy-turvy. I'll get that done within 24 hours. Everyone says, oh, do you can. Uh, absolutely, I can. Absolutely, I can. I'm the only candidate who can make this promise to you. I will prevent World War III, and that's where you're headed. You're headed to World War III. And unlike Ron DeSanctimonious, who voted to gut Medicare and gut Social Security. He voted three times, and they think it was six times, to gut Social Security. Think of that. And voted three times to raise the retirement age of Social Security to 70, which is a big raise. I will always protect Medicare and Social Security for our great seniors. We're going to protect them. And you know how you can believe that? Because for four years, I protected it. And there was a lot of pressure. Four years, I protected it. And the same thing with Russia, and the same thing with China. They said, well, how do we know he's stuff? Because for four years, you never saw any sign that Putin wanted to go into Ukraine. I knew he did. But I told him, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's going to be so bad for you if you do it. And you know, I told him some tough things. And he didn't believe me, but he believed me 10%. That's all you need. Same thing with President Xi of China. Don't go into Taiwan. Don't do it. Don't go into Taiwan. It'd be horrible if you do it. Horrible for China if you do it. And he believed me enough. Like 3%. That's all he needed. But now, as soon as I'm out, bad things happening in Taiwan, and the Russia-Ukraine situation could not have been worse. Hundreds of thousands, I believe millions of people. I, I think the numbers are far greater than they're reporting. Millions of people are dead. Cities are obliterated. Cities that were beautiful cities with beautiful thousand-year-old buildings that you can never replace, gold domes. These beautiful cities are obliterated. And then there's a few people were hurt. A few people were killed. No, no. Hundreds and even thousands of people were killed in those attacks. It's a horrible thing. I'll get it done within 24 hours. To stop the Marxist prosecutors who release rapists and murderers while persecuting conservatives and Republicans, I will direct a completely overhauled DOJ to investigate every radical DA and AG in America for their illegal racist in reverse enforcement of the law. I will do that. And as the horrific riots in France have proven, we must also redouble our efforts to ensure that anyone who comes to America shares our values and assimilates into our culture. We don't want people coming into our country that hate us. We want people that love us. Look at what's going on in France. Who would have thought? I thought, I predicted it, actually. That was one of the other. Ever see those sounds? It's an honor. 
insisted on it, but that Trump was right about everything. They make it tough. A lot of it's common sense, isn't it? You know, is he a conservative? No, a person with common sense. I have great common sense, and we, and most of the people in this room have common sense. As an example, who the hell wants an open border for the world to spill in, for them to dump every person who's mentally ill or a convicted killer or convict into our country? I mean, who wants that? How is it good for us? It's a killer for us, and you'll be seeing it for years to come, and that's why we got to get them all out. We're going to get them out. Common sense. Under the Trump administration, we imposed extreme vetting and put on a powerful travel ban to keep radical Islamic terrorists and jihadists out of our country. Well, how did that work out? We had no problem, right? They knew they didn't, they couldn't come here. They had that moniker. They couldn't come here. When I returned to office, the travel ban is coming back even bigger than before and much stronger than before. We don't want people blowing up our shopping centers. We don't want people blowing up our cities. And we don't want people stealing our farms. So it's not going to happen. The United States will not be condemned to the same fate as is happening in France. And I told Macron this was going to happen when I first met him. I will also order our government to deny entry to all communists and Marxists. Look, we have Marxists, fascist communists, they're pouring into our country. We are going to deny them access to our country. Now, the one problem is, what about all the ones we already have that happen to be politicians, okay? Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, Schiff, Schiff, how about Schiff? Shifty, Shifty Schiff. Liar. What a liar. He created the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. And then, let me tell you about this. First in the nation caucuses. And you know who kept you first in the nation, don't you? When they wanted to move you, I said, there's no way we're moving. So that was the end of that. That subject didn't last. That subject did not last very long. As president, I strongly protected Iowa's first in the nation status in the Republican Party. And with me in the White House, Iowa will be the first in uh, this is going to be the first in many, many years. You're going to uh, we're going to do things that have never been seen before. Our country is going to hell and we're going to take our country back. I want to thank. We're going to take our country back. What's happening to our country is horrible. I don't think we've ever been in a situation like this. We have potential world wars. We have we have weaponry the likes of which nobody's ever seen before. Ever. You don't want to see it. You don't want to think about it. And we have a man in the White House that has no clue what the hell is happening. I want to thank Iowa Senate President Pro Tem Brad Zahn. Thank you, Brad, very much. Thank you. Attorney General, thank you, Brad. Attorney General Matt Whitaker, great guy. Thank you, Matt. Senior Advisor Representative Bobby Kaufman. Thank you, Bobby. There's Bobby. He's doing a great job. State Senators Lynn Evans, Sherilyn Westrick, and Dan Dawson. Thank you all very much. Thank you very much. Iowa Representative 
Heather Hora and Brad Sherman. Brad, I just want to pay respects to Brad and family. Uh, last time I was here, I was with the whole family, and uh, Brad's daughter passed away very suddenly, shortly thereafter. And uh, a very special family, very special man. And she's looking down on you right now, Brad, and she's very proud of you. So I just want to pay my respects. Thank you, Brad, very much. Sheriff Andy Brown. He's central casting, this guy, I'm telling you. So where is he? He's a big, strong guy. That's it. Central casting with a beautiful family. Thank you, Brad. Thank you very much, Sheriff. Dallas County Republican Chairwoman Kelly Koch. Nebraska. I love Nebraska, too. We love Nebraska. That's a big contingent. I said backstage, I hope Nebraska's represented here. I guess they're represented. Uh, great, great state. We won it twice. We won the primaries. We won the elections. It, it's just great. Well, we won it all. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nebraska. Nebraska National Committee Woman, Franchon Blythe. Thank you. Thank you, Franchise. And the This is Citizen. You are. Fucking pig. Nebraska GOP chair Eric Underwood. Good guy, good man. Thank you, Eric. Great job. Great job, Eric. For seven years, all of us have been fighting side by side to rescue our country from sinister forces who hate it and want to destroy it. You've been watching along with me. We're all watching together, and most of us can't even under we don't have any clue what the hell they're doing and why they're doing it. We don't even have a clue, but it doesn't matter. That's what they want to do. And now we are approaching the most important battle of our lives. This January, we're going to win the Iowa caucuses in a historic victory.
And on Election Day 2024, we're going to win the state of Iowa and Nebraska. You know, I'm doing a Nebraska. event too so we'll get you but it's it's nice that so many of you are here and we're going to evict a very crooked president joe biden from the white house you know i took the name away from hillary i don't like using names so it's crooked hillary now i call her beautiful hillary because i wanted to use it for joe biden because it's much it's so appropriate for joe biden he's taking money from any country that wants to deal and we're going to make america great again today i want to talk about how we're going to fight and i I think nobody, no president has ever come close to me for farmers, for fighting for farmers and farmers' rights. And we're thrilled to announce the launch of Farmers for Trump, led by Representative Mike Sexton, farmer and chairman. He's, you know, he's a farmer and chairman of the House Agriculture Committee and a great guy. And I want to thank him. Representative Derek Wolf, farmer and vice of the House Agriculture Committee. Great people. Representative Heather Hora, farmer and member of the House Agriculture Committee. And the Honorable David Kerr, farmer and former Iowa representative, and Jeremy Davis, former senior official at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. These are incredible people, and they take care of their farmers, and they, they know how, they know your business almost as well as you know it. I also want to thank some great Iowans, and they've come here and they've joined us.